This podcast is a proud member of the Paranormality Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Stories of Strangeness. I'm Zoe, and this is Mike. Hello. For those of you that have been listening weekly, you will have noticed we had a little break. Bi-weekly. Okay, bi-weekly. Well, we're back, but we thought to keep things easy, we're going to carry on with the numbers. So today is episode 27. Yep. And it's a Mike episode. Yes, it is. So without further ado... Ado, not ado. So without further ado, yep. your poo, yep. off you go. In 1974, two very unusual events happened. Were you born in 74? I was, <gasps> but thanks for spoiling it. Oh, <laughs> start again. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't In December it. of that year, I was born. No, let's start again, love. And no, I it's fine. Just carry on now. The other unusual thing happened on May the 26th when a family living on Fort George Island in Florida discovered an odd metal ball on their property. (gasps) It was slightly smaller than a bowling ball with a diameter of about 8 inches, but it was much heavier at about 22 pounds. So a normal bowling ball between about 8 and 14 pounds. Yeah, I I bowl with 8 because I'm diddy. Yeah. They were looking over their property after a brush fire when Terry, the eldest son, discovered the orb and brought it back home. It was seamless, and the only marking on it was an elongated triangle stamped onto the surface of the sphere. The family were unsure what to make of it, thinking it may be a downed satellite, but there was no impact crater when it was found to suggest it had fallen to Earth. The family decided it was an old cannonball that someone had sprayed silver to make it decorative. It sat on a window seat, in Terry's room. A couple of weeks later, Terry was playing his guitar in his room. The sphere began to vibrate like a tuning fork and emitted a throbbing sound in response to various notes. The sound also appeared to be emitting in ranges outside of human hearing as the family dog would get disturbed whenever it would do this and would whimper and put her paws over her ears, something the family said was unusual behaviour for the dog. The family began to experiment with the ball, yielding surprising results. They tested rolling the ball along the floor. It would roll for a while, then stop, vibrate, and continue rolling in a different direction. Oftentimes it would change direction more than once. Even weirder, it would invariably return to the person who had set it in motion. One test saw the ball roll continuously for 12 minutes. The next astonishing thing to be discovered was that the object seemed to react to local weather. It was noticeably more active on sunny days and subdued on cloudy days, as if it was solar-powered in some way. These changes did not occur when the ball was exposed to only heat or infrared light. The ball would also vibrate at a low frequency as as if it had a running motor inside and oddly had one very magnetic spot on its surface. 
Terry experimented by tapping the ball with a hammer, and the ball produced a ringing sound like a bell. Then the family placed the object on a round glass coffee table. The family were astonished to see the ball roll to the edge of the table until it was teetering over the edge, then stop and reverse its direction until it came to another edge where it would repeat the cycle. This behaviour led to theories that the ball was either equipped with a guidance system, else was under intelligent control either from within or externally, perhaps via remote control of some kind. Even more bafflingly still, when the table was tilted at an angle, the ball would roll up the incline against the natural force of gravity. This development caused the family to put the sphere into a sealed bag at night so it couldn't escape. After all this, the family were eager to discover more about it, like its origins and perhaps what the thing was, so Jerry Betts, the matriarch of the family, put in a call to the Jacksonville Journal who sent photographer Lon Enger to take some shots of it and get the story. Enger assumed it was a fluff piece and he would be walking into a nest of nut jobs, but after pushing it away from him and seeing it roll, stop, turn to the right and roll another four feet or so, then stop again, turn to the left and roll another eight feet, then describe a large arc ending back up at Enger's feet, he was convinced something was definitely up with this thing. <laughs> Enger examined the ball and, like the family, could find no seams or other surface features aside from the elongated triangle. There were no casting marks of any kind. No welds, no rivets, screws or bolts. Once the story broke, the world took notice. Reporters from the New York Times, the London Daily and newspapers from as far away as Japan got in touch to find out more about the mysterious sphere. It was not only newspapers that were interested in the sphere, Scientists and military institutions were also interested in seeing and testing the outlandish object. Representatives from NASA and the US Marines got in touch, as well as UFO researchers from the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO. Visitors would arrive with a healthy skepticism, but everyone who saw a demonstration of its abilities left baffled and in a state of wonderment. A US Marine spokesman even admitted on TV that the ball had behaved in ways he couldn't explain and he could not ascertain its origin. The family were now inundated with requests to see the ball and experience its odd behaviours firsthand. Jerry told of how the family had relocated to Fort George Island to get away and enjoy a quiet and private life, but now she couldn't get away from the phone, which rang at all hours. Worse, once people in one time zone stopped calling, another time zone would wake up and the phone would ring off the hook again. Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Renowned astronomer and ufologist and head of the Project Blue Book, the US Air Force's study into UFOs, also got in touch with the Betzes to ask that they send it to his office at Northwestern University in Chicago so he could inspect it. Jerry refused, having been warned against letting the sphere out of her sight lest it mysteriously disappear. Things took a turn for the even weirder at this point. At night, the family began to hear organ-like music in the middle of the night there was no organ in the home. Also doors began to slam without anyone touching them. This poltergeist-like activity happened at all times of the day or night. Was the ball in some way causing these strange phenomena? Between the furore of inquiries and the new bizarre happenings at the house, the family decided that it was time to get outside help. The sphere was taken to the scientists at Jacksonville Naval Air Station to be examined. The first attempts at trying to x-ray the orb proved fruitless 
as the X-ray machine wasn't powerful enough to penetrate the surface. A more powerful machine was sought, and spectrograph tests were done to see what the metal ball was made of. After testing, the orb was found to be exactly 7.96 inches in diameter, and weighed 21.34 pounds, and had a half-inch thick shell that reportedly would be able to withstand pressures of 120,000 pounds per square inch. It was made of a type of stainless steel, magnetic ferrous alloy 431, a magnetic nickel-bearing steel designed for heat treatment to the highest mechanical properties and corrosion resistance. Inside were two small round objects which were surrounded by an odd halo of a material that had an unusual density. The sphere was also found to not be radioactive and was not considered to be an explosive device. It did, however, have four magnetic poles, two positive and two negative. The naval scientists wanted to cut into the ball to investigate further, but Jerry was steadfastly against it. She told the Navy officials in charge that she expected a full report in two weeks, and if they could not identify it as government property, it was to be returned to the Betts family, which it was in due course. On April 13, 74, Dr. Carl Wilson from a Louisiana research firm called the Omega-1 Institute, which has to be one of the most ominous sounding names ever, examined the object for six hours and concluded that radio waves were coming from it, and it had a magnetic field around it that fluctuated in ways seemingly impossible in classical physics models of the time. Dr. Wilson also claimed that the shell contained an unknown element in it, making it different from ordinary stainless steel. Wilson also observed the odd behaviours of rolling and changing direction, but was unable to determine any pattern to the movements or their cause. Theories put forward at this time included an extraterrestrial probe, or an anti-gravity device. Ultimately, the Omega-1 Institute's findings were no more helpful than those of the Navy, leaving the family still searching for answers. It was at this point that APRO convinced the family that they may have an extraterrestrial artifact, and if so, they could be eligible for the $50,000 reward for proof positive of UFOs put up by the National Enquirer. The periodical, which even then was generally seen as a supermarket tabloid, assembled a blue ribbon panel that included Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Dr. James Harder, and Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle, along with former Supreme Court Justice, a former Attorney General, and a former New York Court of Appeals judge. Additionally, the heads of APRO, Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and NICAP, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena were also in attendance when the panel convened in New Orleans that year. The Betts family decided to present the sphere in order to find out more about it. Terry was summarily sent to New Orleans with the object. The panel confirmed the findings by the Navy's researchers and the Omega-1 Institute, including that the ball acted like a radio transponder. They were intrigued, but because the ball did not correspond with a UFO sighting, the family were deemed ineligible for the reward. Dr. Harder became transfixed with the object, however, and stated that the smaller balls on the interior shown in the X-ray were made of elements far heavier than anything known to science at the time. In 1974, the heaviest natural element was uranium, with an atomic number of 92, and the heaviest elements created in an atomic reactor had an atomic number of 105. 
Harder asserted that the smaller balls inside had atomic numbers in excess of 140, and that if someone drilled or cut into the sphere, as the Navy had wanted to do, the masses might go critical and explode like an atomic bomb. Harder said that any attempt to discern the contents of the sphere might unintentionally set it off, or even worse, offend its extraterrestrial creators, which Harder assumed still had the device under surveillance. Theories surrounding what the sphere is and where it came from are widespread, including a check valve in a phosphate pumping line, an extra-large ball bearing, a cryogenic storage device, and a paper mill valve. It would seem odd that a whole slew of scientists and researchers would not be able to identify an industrial mechanism or tool during their investigations though. It was also put forward that it was a sea-bottom marker used as points of reference for submarines in ballistics calculations. The fact that the Navy and Marines both denied that the device was theirs throws this idea into doubt though. In April, sculptor James Derling Jones claimed that the sphere fell off the luggage rack of his campervan as he drove by the Betz's property and that it was an industrial valve. He said he'd gotten some of these valve spheres from an anonymous friend who had acquired them illegally. He also said that the rattling sound was due to the manufacturers drilling holes into the valves, which allowed metal chips to fall inside before they welded them shut again. This casts further doubt on the already incredulous testimony, as no weld marks were ever seen by anyone handling the sphere, scientists and laypersons alike, and the X-rays had shown some sort of structures inside, not simply metal chips. Finally, the artist refused to even name the company that supposedly produced the valved spheres, which could have proven him right all along. So the last part is what Skeptoid, the, the skeptic website, went with. So they went with this artist's supposed, like, oh, it was a valve sphere that fell off the back of my van. Right. But none of that explains the odd movements, the fact that it could roll uphill, the interior stuff that was found I'm in an X-ray. So after all of that, yeah, they're just going to go, actually, no, it's just a random bit of machinery. Yeah, it's a, it's a tool Oh, my God. People are idiots. <laughs> it's quite obviously not. Well, no. Like the fact, the, the fact that if you get a metal ball of a certain size, the first thing you do is go, right, what are the metal balls of this size and what are they used for? Yeah. And those were the things that came up as possibles, but all of them are just completely wrong, basically. So... Yeah, what do you think? Hello. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Rebecca. And we're the hosts of the I, I Have, Have a, a Strange, Strange Story, Story podcast. podcast. We didn't do it. Well, we'll see. Listen in as we retell your personal paranormal stories. We've got Bigfoot, we've got aliens, we've got skinwalkers, and we've got movie references. Listen in every week as we retell your paranormal stories with comedy, cussing, and class. And sometimes coffee, and sometimes cats, and sometimes beer or wine, and sometimes cats and trash cans. Okay. <laughs> Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Bye. Bye. Well, I've got two things to say.
Okay. I have suddenly realised that what our house lacks is a cannonball painted silver. Yeah, because every really... house needs a decorative cannonball. Yeah, that'll really set the place off, yeah. And also, I figured it out. Yeah. Okay, so basically, you are like Superman and you arrived in it. It just dropped you off on the way. Okay. I mean, I was born months later than this, but yeah. Yeah, so you were impregnated. No, you weren't impregnated. I was going to say that's... Your mum was impregnated as they flew by. Right. Like, pew! Like that. Yeah. And But because they were going so fast, Mm. they just kept going. And that's when you hit America. So you're basically like a weird, hairy Superman who hasn't got his powers yet. Thanks, I think. (laughs) Doesn't quite cover the fact that I look an awful lot like my dad, but sure. They're clever, these aliens. They'd have to be. They're very clever. Well, I mean, they tricked everybody into thinking they were a valve. (laughs) Yeah. One one of the interesting things that I thought that came up was the idea that it either had some kind of impressive guidance system because it could roll to the edge of a table, realise that there was a drop, stop, and roll again, and then stop again. Now, there are things these days that can do that. There's a little toy called a Sphero which you can program yeah. and, and you can make it roll around and do what I you bet like you can see thing. joins on the outside. I'm pretty sure so you can. I, I had a thought and I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be vaguely impressed by this. Yeah. So the magnetic spots on the outside, Yeah. they had like positive and negative and such. Well, it had two positive and, and two, two negative. negative poles, but it only had one, one really magnetic strong spot. Yeah. magnetic spot. On the outside, oh, in your last episode, yeah. no, what was used for flight? Anti-gravity. Magnets, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it? No. Oh, shit. <laughs> it wasn't magnets, love, no. It what was, was the, whole, the whole heart thing? That, that was gravity waves. Bollocks. I thought I was you like... You were so oh, close. I was so close, but And then so... you fell at the first hurdle. The first hurdle, I smacked my head on it, and I'm just laying there staring up going, is that a UFO? I kind of imagine that's how hurdles went for you when you were at school. I literally could not do hurdles. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because they came up, they were up to my face. And also they require coordination, which is not something you have in spades. Okay, so in, in my first year, I, I was... I, I mean, I am short. Yes. No, I'm going to... I am actually kind of average height mm, for the, a hobbit a lot of my friends are the same height as me but i was a lot of lot... hobbits obviously <laughs> <laughs> but like in the first year of secondary school we had to do hurdles and i was like looking at it going it'd be easier for me to limbo under yeah. this and they were like no you have to do it so i literally just ran like waddled ran scuttled up to the first one pushed it over ran a little bit more, pushed the next one over, because there was literally no way my body was going over that unless it was laying flat on the floor. And then every year after that, when I said I didn't want to do it, they were fine with it. (laughs) Well, I remember at school they said, oh, it doesn't matter if you knock them over, you just have to keep going. Yeah. And somebody did exactly that, just went up and pushed them all over. Honestly, though, it was like they were... But they obviously didn't finish anywhere near... Oh, I didn't didn't care about finishing first no, at all i, I was like if you want me didn't. to do this i think that's something that physical education teachers never really understood is that a lot of us just 
didn't want to do that. We stuff. just didn't care. But, but how will you ever win if you don't try? Well, yeah, but I already I, know that the lanky, skinny kid is going to outpace me by. Every, you by know. the time you get to secondary school, you already know the people that are sporty. And they're the ones that always win. There's literally yeah. a handful of people, like half a dozen people, that win everything. Yeah. Unless it was discus. And then Rosie would win it because she was like a foot taller than everyone else. Yeah. So. Yeah. I did yeah. all right at shot put and long jump and triple jump. And I was. I did javelin I kind of and shot put. Because I was high jump that well. small and stocky. Yeah. So that was, yeah, shot put was. Because I was quite short until about the third year of school. And then I suddenly went and shot up. Yeah. I, that never happened for me. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was interesting that they, they said about, you know, it might have some sort of sophisticated guidance system or else it might be controlled either from within or without. And I was thinking, this thing's the size of a bowling ball. What's sitting in there? But then... It doesn't have to necessarily be in there, though. It could be controlled from within, like remote-controlled, but from a really long distance. Well, you know, they said it it, it acts like a radio transponder. Yeah. Now, there was a couple of bits I didn't put into this, actually, but there was a, a thing that mentioned Foo Fighters, not the band. Not the band. The actual original name Meaning, that the band yeah. got them from, which was small UFOs that used to buzz World War II fighter planes. Yeah. And obviously the Allies were very much kind of like, this. what is this? This is some kind of new secret Nazi weapon, blah, blah, blah. But it's not. Because the Foo Fighters would engage the fighter pilots and they would like almost dogfight with them, but they never actually did aggressively. Yeah. They never fired a shot. Nothing was ever, no plane ever like got destroyed by them as far as I'm aware. their abilities. Or playing with them. Or playing, yeah. Now... This is the the thing that I want to kind of swing it back around to because at first the Allies thought it was a, a Nazi super weapon or whatever. Yeah. But it, apparently it was happening to the Axis fighters as well. Oh. So it was happening to both sides. These Foo Fighters would appear and kind of engage in a kind of a mock dogfight with the fighters. And they would say, you know, these things seem to have an intelligence behind them. You would bank and they would bank to follow you or they would cut you off or, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. And that kind of swings back around again to Skinwalker Ranch, where oh God, we're there's going been broadly. yeah. So the threads all connect. I'm I'm standing in front of a corkboard with with pins all the string, and string everywhere, all that red obviously, string because I've pew, pew, finally pew, pew. just decided that I'm going to just hang my shoes up and become a full time conspiracy theorist. Got some tin foil in the old uh, kitchen there, love, if you want it. Yeah, it works probably much better than the greaseproof paper I've been using. Anyway, it kind of leads back into Skinwalker Ranch because some of the things that have been seen there, like orbs that have floated through the trees and things like that, again, show signs of some kind of either intelligent control or autonomous behavior where they kind of did things. And oftentimes the people who were working at uh, Skinwalker Ranch mentioned that the entity felt like it was some kind of trickster. Right, okay. And it was doing things to kind of fool them or whatever, like the time where they had a a ring of cameras all pointing out kind of from each other. And they went one day to watch the footage back and the footage cut out on all of the cameras at the same time. And when they went out to check them, all the leads had been unplugged. (laughs) I think some of the wires might have been cut and things like that. And they had like gaffer taped these things in so they wouldn't move so that this couldn't happen. And it did. And it did. 
and it was things like that. So they were like sometimes it's and of course nothing appeared on any of the cameras just no. before it it went out. They all just went off. And the the, the scientist there said, you know, it's it's almost like it's messing with us, kind of thing, and well, it knows what we're thinking. Okay, so imagine we are the ants, yeah, and they are the kids with a stick, yeah, poking little holes and cutting off roots and kind things of, like yeah. that. It's but. I was thinking again, like you know, if this thing is the size of a bowling ball and it was controlled from within, mm-hmm. what could be piloting it, kind of thing? Yeah. But then we were watching the rise of Skywalker tonight, and there's Babu Frick, who's it's like a, about eight inches tall or so. And I was thinking, well, yeah, what if it? You know, there's no reason to think that extraterrestrial beings would be the same size as us for any the reason. The thing is, so I mean, there are upper limits on what biology can produce in terms of size. Like yeah. whales couldn't live on land even if they had limbs because yep. the, the the water supports a lot of their body mass and things like that. Okay, but it didn't have any signs of any way of getting in or out of it. So if it wasn't, no. so if there was something living inside, I'm not sure that would. That's and I suppose but again we're talking about something with technology far in advance of its, mm. of our own. They could possibly also, m- make a door appear. Like, is it Flight of the Navigator? I was going to say Flight of the Navigator, the door just appears and the steps melt out. And then when it goes back, there's literally no scene. Because I was going to ask about the the, the shell of it. You said it was a certain thickness and it would take a certain amount of... It would take a huge amount of pressure, yeah. Would that pressure be enough for space flight? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because there's no pressure in space other than what's inside. Exactly. Well, yeah, I meant like, would it be enough to hold in it together? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I would have thought so. And yeah. and to come through the atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the the only thing that that there was mentioned about the bet sphere is that there were no marks on it or burns or anything to mm. suggest it had re-entered through but it's the atmosphere. Stainless steel, so there shouldn't be any marks on it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. You would still get marks on it. It's just that you could clean them off. In theory, it'd be self-cleaning. A Maybe, little, little but there was there was no there was no impact crater anywhere around there. The only other damage to the area was caused by the brush fire. Now, it, in theory, if a metal what ball if it caused the brush through, fire, I was just going to say yeah. But again, this ball had no markings on it, or dents, or scratches, or anything, mm. and it was just lying on the floor. There was nothing kind of near. So it. weird. Yeah, absolutely. Was it? Would it be in an area that is covered? I suppose being that small, though, even if it was picked up on a radar or some kind of, I'm sure at that point, you know, the American government would be like, if it was something that small, it would almost it would, certainly wouldn't show up on radar. So it could have just plopped out of the sky, and no one yeah. would have really noticed. In theory, yeah, yeah. But here's a weird theory, then. Okay. So there was a happening in. Now, let me think. I think it was the 1500s, 1518 springs to mind, called the Nuremberg Lights. Right. And there is a, a woodcut of what went on. Yeah. And in the sky above Nuremberg, which is now in Germany, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it should be. There were cylinders and lights and, like, apparently the sky was filled with these things that looked like they were battling. What? Having, having a, like, a war in the sky and that's not the first time that's happened either there are other accounts of similar things and again with art that Mm -hmm. you look at them and you're like all right that looks pretty similar and then recently obviously the the u.s government has come out and said 
UFOs are definitely a thing. We don't know what they are. We don't know how they can move the way they do. It defies all laws of physics that we know of. They can move at thousands of miles an hour without creating a sonic boom. Yeah. We, But we don't know what they are, but they're real. Now, recently, there was another report came out where there is actual radar data that backs this up, where one of the US's battleships got swarmed by these things. Wow. Right? There's about 14 of them all around the ship. And that's by the by. But basically, there was another sighting where there was a spherical object that was flying along, and again, crazy speeds, unbelievable, tracked by, I think it was the gun camera on a, an F-18 Hornet or something like that, and it goes into the water. And they oh. couldn't find any wreckage or anything like that, but they think that it's possible it's the these things... Abyss. Yeah, well, they think that these things can possibly fly pretty much underwater as they would do in the air. There's no real problem for them doing that. They can't obviously either, I don't know what they do. But then but you have to think, you don't know where they've come from, what the atmosphere is like on their planet. So they might go, oh, we'll just pop into the water, pressure if, and all of that. If they're from another planet. If they are from another planet. If they're from another or planet. Or if they're not from Atlantis. So... There's and a few theories. So, yeah, I mean, Atlantis in theory could be one of the theories, mm -hmm. but there's a theory that they're interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial. We're getting into those inter... The, the, yeah, so the 4D, 5D space and all that kind of thing again. Yeah, Bigfoot holidays. Yeah. Yeah, but what if, and it's been said before, but what if things like a lot of the angels that reported in the Bible, because, again, I think we've mentioned this before, but yeah. if you ever look at, some of the illustrations that depict angels as they are described in the Bible, there's things that are just like wings upon wings in a circle with eyes all over them. Yeah. There's the Terrifying. turning discs, like, you know, the beginning of Game of Thrones. I was going to say that it looks the like the Game of Thrones. Yeah, those kind yeah. of spinning things yeah. that also remind me of Event Horizon. Holy moly. Let's not let's even, not even go there. <laughs> but Basically, there is a theory that, like, what if all the angels that people think they've seen have been these either extraterrestrial or interdimensional crafts? And I'm thinking, like, okay, if there are creatures that are maybe small enough to fit in a bowling ball, say, for example, yeah, what if all the tales of fairies and imps and brownies and pixies and elves are also these extra-dimensional creatures that pop into our world when they feel they need to or yeah. when they've got something to do? And that would explain why they're so difficult to, to find. see and yeah. find and capture or photograph or anything like that. And why so many of the stories are like, be careful, otherwise they'll take they'll you take back you to the fairyland. Yeah. yeah. Because that could be through a dimensional portal or something like that to a universe That's we have it. no way of understanding. Later on, yeah. you said that kind of almost like poltergeist stuff started happening yeah. Around the house, which was quite interesting. Which again links into the Skinwalker Ranch, where stuff like that happens as where well. Where possibly it took the being in the ball that long to kind of almost trust the family, because by that point the family had said, no, we're not going to send you away. We're going to keep you where we can see you. We're going to keep you safe. Because like handing it over to the government, I was just like, yeah. no, don't do it. And you were like, and she wouldn't do it. And I'm like, yes, that's very sensible because you would never see it again. My apologies if you can hear squawking in the background because Mim has joined us. And she's telling us probably about hedgehogs. Mim's our cat, by the way. 
And we have hedgehogs in the garden at the moment. Yeah. They're very noisy. Spiky avocados. Oh. <laughs> well, we did used to eat them, didn't we? Hedgehogs, Not us, yeah. personally. Not us, personally, no. No. Yeah, you used to bury them in the ground and cook them until the no, spines fell off, wasn't it? you wrap them in clay. Wrap them in clay. I and knew it was something to do with... And then put them in the fire earth. and then bake them. Mm. And then when they're all nice and cooked, you break the clay off and all of the spines, spines and skin just peels away. <sighs> yummy, yummy. Honestly. I think that's part of the reason that humans have been the top of the food chain for so long is just because we, we will everything. Eat anything. <laughs> Although if literally this was anything. back when you know, you didn't have Tesco's and stuff, so you ate what no, was in I, your in your area. I understand that, but at the and, same um, time, there must have been other stuff around for people to eat. I mean, we're talking about a time where I'm pretty sure we would have had some form of agriculture, but we still looked at these spiny bastards and went, I reckon I can cook that. Yeah, but not everyone can afford to go down the market and buy meat, and it's meat, isn't it? It's like mm. you didn't have the kind of... I'm just saying, if if I was an omnivore... And we didn't have shops and stuff like that. And I was some kind of hunter-gatherer. Hedgehogs would be way down on my list because they just seem like too much bloody trouble. Well, it's like, I mean, imagine our... posh people eat quails. And I mean, Christ, they're like a mouthful. Well, yeah, again, you know, eat anything. It's weird. But yeah, I'm just wondering if the ball had, had started to trust them. So then mm. the little whatever it was inside was like, okay... Maybe it came out at night and did some stuff. Yeah. Or played the organ. Apparently. Played the organ. Yeah. Or dilly, 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 when, dilly, <laughs> dilly, dilly, dilly. when you um, where's, oh, where's I don't I know why it would play Happy Days of Here again, but why well, not? No, I'm saying when you said organ music, yeah. I immediately thought, well, that's Close Encounters, isn't it? Ah, boo, I suppose boo, yeah. Boo, boo, boo. And oh, bizarre. Because that's actually, kind of organ, isn't it? Actually. When Close Encounters came out, the creators, Spielberg in particular, was told a couple of things. One, they didn't like some of the stuff he'd put in there. Oh, and I think it too was close to the old. Well, possibly, because we we mentioned in the Bob Lazar episode that there is the hand scanner is in Close Encounters, yes. and that was in theory classified. So it might have been something as innocent as that. But apparently, I think it was President Reagan was in office when it came out. And he apparently said to Steven Spielberg, you have no idea how, how right you are. <gasps> with this. So I think Spielberg had some additional help, I think. Or the aliens a, were beaming things into his brain. <laughs> Straight into his brain. That's it. They're like, we need yeah. our story told, guys. Come yeah. on. Who are we going to tell? Not the newspapers. Nobody trusts the newspapers. Let's tell, let's tell this filmmaker guy. He's cool. See, my thing is that if if they're going to start beaming stuff into your brain, it's like makes me think of that meme we saw where it's about that guy who, if you could read his mind, all you would hear is the noise of a, a potato going round in a microwave. And now you're thinking of a potato going around in a microwave. Yep, we did that to you. <gasps> you're welcome. Potatoes all around the world. But yeah, that kind of makes me think, you know, what if they're beaming stuff into your brain? It could be cooking it at the same. But time. But then that goes into the MK Ultra episode, doesn't it? Yeah. So like beaming things into people's brains. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh my goodness, they're all coming together. Yeah. Let's let's add another piece of string to the uh, yeah burgeoning tapestry. There. But yeah, I I kind of thought, hmm, it's comfortable. 
it's testing, it's it's ever expanding its what's it called? Repertoire. That's yeah. the word I'm thinking of. It's expanding its repertoire so that you know, it's showing a little bit more every time the family work with it. And because they didn't like go, oh, you know what? The first thing we're going to try and do is hit it with a big hammer and see if we can crack it open like an egg. Yeah. They're like, oh, let's roll it a bit. Yeah. Now let's test it on a glass. Let's it with a hammer and just see it if it seems makes like, a noise. And this is, I really love this because they found it, they were interested by it, and mm. they wanted to learn. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't just immediately, they didn't immediately go, hacksaws. we're going to crack it open, yeah. we're going to put it in the circus. It's that kind of thing where they could have, you know, then they were like, you know what, we've got this much information, but we've got as much as we can from it. We maybe need we maybe more need help. help. Now, there, apparently the, the story does go on. And from what I can remember, the National Enquirer did also want to do some tests on it. And again, the story's a bit hazy in my mind because actually when I uh, was reading about it before, this was a long time ago. Right. But basically, they got it back and it didn't work anymore. <gasps> so it didn't roll, it didn't do stuff and all that kind of was thing. Was it the same ball? Well, they think it was because, again, it had still had the elongated triangle on it and that kind of thing. But there's some, I think there was some kind of insinuation that maybe they had drilled it or <gasps> done something. I'm not mm. sure. But yeah, I will try to remember to post the pictures of the x-rays yeah. on the website because they're fascinating to look at. There's one important question I haven't asked you. Yeah. And it is actually a serious question. Okay. Where is it now? The article that I kind of mainly used to research this said that pretty soon after the National Enquirer blue ribbon panel, when they yeah. said, look, you're not eligible for said the money. No. The kind of public interest in it just suddenly died away, which is entirely possible because they do, you know, and if the yep. media is not covering something... It, something else happened. You know, it just dies away and everybody forgets that that was a thing. There is actually a really good podcast that I, I can't remember the name of at the moment. If I remember, I'll put it in the links or something, but yep. that kind of covers what went on after the story. Yeah. Now, it's generally more kind of political news and stuff like that, but it's, it's just kind of interesting to think, you know, okay, this event happened in history, but... What happened to the people after? Yeah. Because you just don't hear anything after that. Yeah, if but anyone knows what yeah, happened. The idea is, I think, that the Betts family still have it. It's Good. still within the Betts family's possession. But it doesn't work it anymore. Doesn't, I, I think so. Like I say, this was a long time ago that I actually kind of did a bit of research into this and then it suddenly occurred to me that recently to do an episode on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... Because I'd heard of it before. Yeah. But I didn't know all these details i knew that there was a ball that was heavier than it had rights to be yeah and, kind of yeah but i didn't realize it did all those weird, weird things. things yeah you know there are scientists in who were you know fairly high in their fields who said i saw it do this stuff i saw yeah. it roll and stop and change direction now apparently some people have put forward that the Betts' house was quite an old property and the floors were uneven mm -hmm. and actually you could put a ball on the floor and it would roll in a certain direction and then something that's quite smooth and seamless on the outside all it would take is a little bit of something yeah. on the floor I mean, to, to make be, it yeah, change direction one of my old flats you could roll the ball one way and it would kind of go to a certain point and then it would it would arc back to you yeah, because the floor, the floor was, was so slanted, uneven yeah but that doesn't explain how it would come back to the feet of the people it, it that rolled it. It doesn't explain how it would roll up a sloped table. And it doesn't explain how it rolled to the edge of a glass coffee table. And then stop. And stop. 
yeah. and then do it again and again. Or how it played organ music. No, I think we're definitely baffled by the organ music yeah. and the slamming doors. But again, if you're talking about something that could possibly emit gravity waves, like infrasound. a UFO, Or infrasound, there yeah, you there you go. Those, all those, because it did say that it was doing different pitches that humans couldn't hear because the dogs yeah. could hear it. So yeah. that, you know, that sound is vibration, isn't it? It is. So that could create all kinds of things. Well, there and are the- theories that the pyramids were created using sound, that the blocks were actually carved using sound. There was an ancient technology where you could use sound to crack boulders and slice them in two. And there is a very, very large boulder, I think, in Iran or Iraq. I think it's Iran. I'll show you a picture of it, but it's this huge boulder on a plinth, and there is a line cut right through the middle of this thing, and it's enormous. It's Fus Roda. <laughs> yeah, very good. But, but yeah, but but with sound, the organ music could have just been it vibrating on a certain thing or making yeah. a certain thing vibrate to well, create like that say, hum. When, like when you do glass. Yeah. Like when top of a glass. Yeah, yeah. So if it could vibrate, it Maybe it just found Well, they said it did. You know, it would that, vibrate at a low frequency yeah. when it was turning and stopping. Yeah. And also it emitted a, a tone when he played his guitar near it. That's how they first That's found it. That's how they first found it. So it was anomalous. that kind of, well, I mean, they say that music is, what's the word? There's there's no barriers. That It's sort of a... Universal. I, I want to say universal, but I don't think that's... The, quite the term. Quite the term. Well, I mean, to be fair, if we're going... In, into universal, <laughs> yeah, that's maybe yeah, interdimensional universal. Whatever. Exactly, but it's you know if someone clicks their fingers and you know yeah. hums, you don't need to know the language just no. to know yeah, yeah. that they're it they're is, creating yeah, sound and yeah. and and it's a way of communicating and it's almost like a form of happiness in a way. Yeah, well, or every or culture, emotion. On, every human culture on earth has dancing as part of it. It's a universal exactly. thing. Unless you live in that town where Kevin Bacon went. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or if you lived in the town that we did the Minnesota on. Oh, yeah. We don't want to be uh, dancing Strasbourg, that much. Where they danced themselves to death. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you sign up to Patreon, you can still listen to that Minnesota. Indeed. Anyway. And, and uh, what was it? 12 others? No, 11 others. Because there are 12 so far. Yeah. Um, Soon to be lucky number 13. Whoop, whoop. So, the Bet Sphere. Is it a Foo Fighter? Is it it's Dave a, Grohl? A remote controlled drone from another dimension? Is it a Pixies spacecraft that can possibly fly underwater to Atlantis? Who it's, knows? It's Bigfoot's drone. It's Bigfoot's drone. He's like it? sitting right. there with his little remote control, just going. They thought me running through the woods was funny. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play organ music and slam whoop, all the doors. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. But that organ music was actually. No, I was just like, if he's under, he's underwater in Atlantis. It's actually like a really famous song, just being played underwater. It sounded like organ music, but it's not. It's not. No. Okay. So, tell us what you think. What do you think the bet sphere was? It's very odd ball. You're an odd ball. Yeah. I was born in the same year, so maybe it had an effect. Yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just like trying to figure out what word to say first. Right, okay. Just to kind of, you know, sure. I'm out of practice. I can't help it. At speaking. <laughs> no, not of speaking, love. You should know that. Yeah, I'm painfully aware. <laughs>
So if you've enjoyed today's show and you want to comment or you want to give us a shout and tell us a show you'd like us to do, a subject you'd like us to cover, Mm -hmm. you can contact us in many ways. You can. If you would like to email us, our email address is storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page and group. Facebook.com slash stories of strangeness is the page and there is a join group button conveniently located right in front of your face. Excellent. What well, is called Facebook? Exactly. We have an Instagram account. Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness. That's probably where we're most active. So if you really want to put something in front of our eyeballs. Tag us. Yeah. And they would have to tag us with. At stories of strangeness. Did you just say that? Kind of. I don't know. Okay. We have a Twitter account. We do. It doesn't get an awful lot of love because I don't really find time <laughs> to do anything with it, but it is at so strange pod. And if you want any of those repeated, you can check out our website. www.storiesofstrangeness.com. And from there, you can find all the other episodes Weirdness as stuff. well. Yeah. All the strange Recent stuff. Recent episodes. Whatever. I mean, you can just check the show notes on your favourite podcast player that you probably listen to this on now. Yep, you can do that. Or if you're like me and... Haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue, quite (laughs) frankly. (laughs) If you would like to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do it. Yep. We have a Redbubble account and we have a load of show merch that you can go check out. We've got our logo and illustrations for each episode. Almost each episode. Ish. I'm almost up to date now, so you can't... I've still got I Medusa. Think I've got a couple to do now. Oh, um, so I've overtaken you. You have, mm. but you also haven't uploaded most of them. I have actually. Oh, blind. So there. You okay. just haven't checked. Fine. But anyway, yeah, so check out Redbubble. You just need to search for Zoe and Mike, all one word, and you can see a vast array of random scribblings. <gasps> and we also have a Patreon account. We do. And for one pound a month. You get a massive amount of love from us, yep. a shout out and a big thank you. Possibly and an overwhelming amount. No, we don't want to overwhelm them. What, with love? I, f- I feel like it'd be like a big wave, like crashing. Yeah. But yeah, okay, we can we can send a wave We'll of send love. you a love wave. A love wave. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds dodgy. Wrong. Yeah. So dodgy. Sorry about that. Okay, so maybe not a love wave. <laughs> <laughs> you will have our gratitude and thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and a shout out. And for... Three pounds a month. You get a little bit extra in your life. You get extra, 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 in fact, because you get time-lapse videos of our scribblings when appropriate and possible. You get minisodes, and you get outtakes from these shows where mostly we mess things up. Make stupid noises. And burp. (laughs) There's actually an incredible amount of burp. Yeah, but actually, I don't don't put the burps in the outtakes. The burps are going into a super cut that I'm going to release at some point. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's about 12 minutes of burping so far. Oh, no. I actually don't know if I want to release it in the end or not. You might might have to just reduce it down. Yeah. Because... We do tend to say excuse me, though. So that's good. Or at least we're polite. Yeah. Yes. To a point. Anyway, we've we've kind of got a little bit off topic. As always. So, yes, that's Patreon. Yep. How do they find us on Patreon? I think it's just patreon.com slash stories of strangeness. It should be. That should work. It'll be in the show notes. Check the show notes for the link. It's always the show notes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to them. All right. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) I mean, I only, you know, researched it, wrote it, edited it. By the time you're listening to this, put it online, did the show notes, 
everything else, but sure, yeah. Thank them for tuning in. I do thank them for tuning in. So Otherwise, I'd be talking to myself. Thank well, you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. <laughs> do we have a fun fact today? Dunce caps, they were named after a man called Duns, I think it was. And originally, was- they were meant for intelligent people who had done well in the classes. And oh. then basically what happened was people started mocking the people with dunce caps because they were like, oh, look at you, SWAT. Oh, uh, God, clever guy, blah, blah, blah. And then it flipped and became a dunce cap as we know it to st- show stupidity. We did not plan this well, did we? No. But it's fine. It's we'll get fine. back into the swing of it, don't worry. Some of the episodes might be better than this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't hold your breath or like put money get, down. But, I would like know. to get some more beers in, though. Yeah, definitely. We should do that. Well, I saw a thing online that said twenty nine ninety five for a case of 24 beers, and it wasn't a subscription service. <gasps> it actually stated, we will not send you any more unless you want us to. And I thought, Ooh, I, I don't know. Like I would like you to. I could quite happily go for it depends if they're not. A beer. They're... they're all like craft beers, it said, so I don't know. Who knows? Well, with all of that done, it's yeah. just time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for coming. Good goodbye. We'll Bye. see you soon. Bye. Love you.